Can I read you something from one of these uh, testimonials? I've been doing these groups for 40 years with multicultural groups for, you know, all over the world for 40 years, Alan. You know that, right? Right. Uh, Here's Judy. She says, um, our conscious conversations simply and gently yet profoundly revealed the truth that all of humanity has been seeking forever. In just a few minutes, as Sperry pointed our awareness to awareness itself, the illusion of separation began to dissolve. My sense of having a separate body melted in the warm, delicious energy that engulfed the whole group. Thoughts had no power and floated by like clouds. Emotions transformed into what I experienced to be the empty fullness spoken of by the sages or eternal love itself. The embodiment of what cannot be adequately spoken of happened. It was blissful and once experienced, nothing can or ever will be the same. This is life. This is a life-changing event. Yeah. This God, is beautiful. I, I feel like I'm really going to like Eddie and Eddie um in many ways is probably fully stepped into whatever the unique uh, expression is and for this here uh has went through a lot of stilling itself repeatedly in the last year and beyond just to just be nobody learn to not be anyone learn to be space learn to be love learn to be that really first fully yeah and then now express now be space expressing itself to itself for waking up and healing and loving and meeting basic needs and all this good stuff and that i think that's an that's a crucial thing is to jump too quickly into the expression is to allow potentially a little bit of egoism to reside in that and so there is a really deep importance to the process of purification uh, into that spaciousness, to that air, to that love that then makes the expression more pure. At least that's what I felt in my direct experience. It's been really, really beautiful. Well, couldn't that's the emptiness, the void that is has no beginning and cannot be divided because there's no thing to divide. I mean, that's when this one is fully void-based, there's no boundary, there's no beginning or end, there's the eternal now, the omnipresent, omniscience, omnipotence, uh, psychokinetic control over people can't help but be completely peaceful in your presence. I mean, they, yeah. you're just one, one being, you're, you're the verb of everything. <laughs> And with them, and and they're when they ordinarily might be completely terrified and crazy, they're brought to total peace instantaneously just by being within a quarter mile of you. Nice, yeah, right. And that's and, how that's and, and, my, that's exactly and, the vision, and, of, and that you and I share yes. that, yes, uh, is big time. Yes, and I and I do want to 
Um, I want to also supportively include the um, understanding of what Christ represented at the same time as we understand what Buddha represented. Because more and more, their emptiness and love are really two sides of the same coin. And for that, Christ being up on the cross is equivalent to anatta in Buddhism, the understanding that there is no self. And the more that you hang your sense of self, your ego up on the cross, the more that you become space and love to serve others in the world. And so that that's just, I found to be the most crucial because you can bring almost all of the planet together with that style of interpretation and understanding. Well, that's exactly the pivot, the eternal pivot point of the uh, of the twenty seven million dollar project is getting the whole of humanity because there is no other. Everything else is an artifice. <laughs> that surrendered emptiness that gives rise to our presence is the only peaceful place in the whole of existence. Yeah. And when we consciously share that we are consciousness, that, that consciousness is the void that cannot be divided, and we notice that consciously, in a heartfelt, fully embodied way together, uh, we realize what what Gotama and uh, and Christ were holding out for. <laughs> you know, why Christ would submit uh, himself to be crucified for the for, to, for the salvation of humanity that, you know, realize that you're all crucifying yourselves. I am you. You know, and and so what is it that transcends death? I am that which transcends death. Who are you that transcends death? Who are we that transcend death that are deathless and uncreated and unborn, which is the Buddha and, and, and the Hindus and the, the Atman, you know, Atman and the and the Anatta are the two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. And from this, from this peace, from this love, um, it's just all possible from here. Um, heaven on earth, like we said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it, is that uh, we're we are heavenly, we are spiritual, we are spirited, and are, there's nothing else that is truly meaningful except that which is, uh, you know, oddly enough, meaningless. doesn't need to have a meaning. <laughs> Thanks.
Right. And just the moments of just just non-proliferation, stop weaving, stop storytelling, stop games of identity, and just relax. Just see what's left when you deconstruct all those habits of identity and of location and of comparison and measurement and all that. And even just those little tiny glimpses of what remains when that, all that is declung from, that is healing and that is doing the work and that is just so nourishing for that that underlying piece that just wants to be to what you want to feel in union voidness you want to feel in union with it but the primary attractor if you will is to avoid it at all costs it's like for the mind to weave endlessly so that it doesn't dissolve into space into its nature and that is just so beautiful the math the physics the creativity the ingenuity of the universe the way it's designed it's unbelievable well i've been working with this uh most i've looked for this most brilliant physicist uh, that could understand and uh discover and model the the physics of consciousness because the the materialistic mechanistic uh, scientific military industrial political medical establishment it, it was very clear 45 years ago that the only value that could really shift them out of that tyrannical totalitarian materialistic focus was to uh, discover what consciousness is in in physics and describe it and that has been achieved uh, over the last six years in great rigor and depth uh, it took me took this one 45 years or a lifetime to to do that and uh, so working with this uh, collaborating with this man who's just, just a couple years older than i am he is a uh, physics professor for 35 years he's written 100 papers he's absolutely outstanding in his clarity he's a scientific historian uh the whole history the development of our understanding of ourselves our attempts to understand each other ourselves over from the very origins of speech <laughs> until the present day he has chronicled that with such clarity it's amazing this guy uh, alan may i read you something from one of these uh, testimonials that i've been doing these groups for 40 years with multicultural groups for you know all over the world for 40 years alan you know that right right uh, Here's Judy. She says, um, 
Our conscious conversations simply and gently yet profoundly revealed the truth that all of humanity has been seeking forever. In just a few minutes, as Sperry pointed our awareness to awareness itself, the illusion of separation began to dissolve. My sense of having a separate body melted in the warm, delicious energy that engulfed the whole group. Thoughts had no power and floated by like clouds. Emotions transformed into what I experienced to be the empty fullness spoken of by the sages or eternal love itself. The embodiment of what cannot be adequately spoken of happened. It was blissful and once experienced, nothing can or ever will be the same. This is life. This is a life-changing event. Yeah, that's beautiful. This is, you know, here is Jake, John Jacob Zucker Gardner, who a professor of leadership at Seattle University, who assembled leaders of all co huge corporations uh, maybe 20 years ago, brought them together at Stanford University. He came to a group when we, in Santa Barbara, maybe, I don't know, at least 15, 20 years ago, uh, just after that. And we had a group at 4.30 a.m. in the morning with 12 of us where we felt like we could, there was no separation between any two atoms in our bodies. And we were so weightless that it, we literally felt like we could jump into the air and fly around like a like birds. Okay, so amazing ext ecstasies and wow, that shared it so indivisibly, Alan. Oh my God! And so John said to me afterwards, he said, "I, I always knew it had something to do with sharing undivided attention, but I didn't quite." understand how to bring that into focus and he had me up and introduced me to um the grands one of the grandsons of mahatma gandhi who i just happened to sit down next to in one of the groups he had arranged that he brought me up to into the northwest there um and mahatma gandhi i mean um garan gandhi uh wanted me to do these groups online to his 200 city centers as a uh, you know, to you know, bring people into this state of nonviolent consciousness, like uh, etc. So here, John says the remarkable work of Sperry Andrews and the Human Connection Institute in developing ways to move people into collective and global consciousness is worthy of wide recognition and attention. As we move from me to we, Sperry's work will serve as a guiding light to collective consciousness. So. You know, there there is this level at which we have to be the Atman. We, we have to be someone doing something uh, because the nothingness is doing something by doing nothing. <laughs> it's make it's making all of form, all of space, time, energy, and matter, mind and body, indivisible. Every single moment that you know that whether we're dead or we're alive, we're not dead. We're we're still. Uh, the awakeness that is eternal and uncreated. So in order to align the this neocortex with the nonverbal body, the sensory motor reptile that's been eating and being eaten for hundreds of millions of years, and the and what emerged and grew out of that like a out of a seed 
emerge the uh, the the heart felt uh, mammalian limbic system to um, to make it possible so that we could have herd herds of mammals that could uh, survive and thrive better in the same way that individual cells 1.6 billion years ago in the in the in the fossil record now has been discovered uh, had already begun to uh, to collaborate with other single cells to form multicellular organisms in the fossil record uh, that the indivisibility of all things has to uh, foment this collaboration like you and I, Alan. It seems that, you know, we've been birthing our individuality for some time here, uh, where, as Bruce Lipton would say, we're, we are these zygotes that have come together and there's 50 trillion human cells collaborating with 10 to 20 times as many bacterial cells that are forming a single individual, individuating incomparably unique consciousness as Alan, as Sperry sitting here. And that as we as individual human beings, as Carl Jung said, in the process of maturation, we recognize that we are indivisible from everyone and everything, inevitably we have a chance of having a conscious civilization on this planet. That you and I, Alan, in that we do recognize our indivisibility and the peace, the pure and total communion of unconditional true love that we actually, in fact, are together. That we cannot deny it any longer. That we're not losing a territory. We, we've survived by separating demarcating a separate physical and psychological territory as as plants and animals for hundreds of millions of years we are, we have a habit that we're hypnotized to to perpetuate but by being so indivisible as a single indivisible consciousness we can recognize that we don't have to go along with our programming alan see what i'm saying yeah and the very nature of it is to delude itself in all of its programming and to wake up from that to heaven on earth. Yes. That is unbelievable. Yes, it's it is unbelievable. It is the coolest. Yes. If you could, what, what more? Like, is this not a miracle? What, really? Like, what could be more of a miracle? I mean, the, the whole of this universe, all by recent count, two trillion galaxies with hundreds of billions of suns in each galaxy and countless planets that probably are, have produced sentient life billions of years ago. <laughs> that, the whole universe, as the ETs say, the, the Ebens so-called, say that the universe is a soul manufacturing facility. <laughs> and so 
the fact that we don't need to believe anything, it's unbelievable because belief is really not necessary to recognize what we are. <laughs> so the whole thing is that the cosmos from being nothing at all the void as one was we spoke of in November of 2019 the void in that it cannot avoid itself as being dimensionless uh, can uh, be also known as every dimensionless point in the potential of three-dimensional reality which is just the fluctuating relationship of dimensionless points And so we are the fluctuating relationship of dimensionless points that are held together by that which is dimensionless, that is the observer of three dimensions. And so we get to be nobody going nowhere forever, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Yeah. There's actually a physics prize, five physics prizes, $1,000 each, that you and I could win together by just offering this very video that we're on right now to the, it's the, the, the timing of it closes at the end of October. And they want to have explications through physics of consciousness, exactly that. Because, of course, that's the most pivotal uh realization that has to be articulated to the new brain that this child the verbal analytic new brain that is attempting to make a conceptual map of what is non-verbally sensed and felt so that the body heart and mind as a triune brain in the brain there is a triune body heart and mind that is represented here in this three pound universe <laughs> and it's attempting to make an equivalent of what is formless, completely and utterly formless and immeasurable and indefinable and unbelievable. Right. And it's so uh, alluring for the sense of self to avoid being nobody nowhere uh nothing uh without anything to achieve to be peace to be space it, it's what why why would the sense of self ever want that when it's so happy in its little barbie house that it's constructed or ken house where it loves believing in the idea of its own identity being the body and comparing itself and measuring itself to other bodies and feeling lack and just being incessantly oriented towards its objective external 
reality. What's, what's the main mechanic mechanism that brings consciousness back to its own nobodiness and spaciousness and love? What is the main one? Is it meditation? Is it psychedelics? Is it shadow work, psychotherapy? Is it a conglomeration of all of those things? Is it science and spirituality merging together into a grand unity? What is it? And how can you shepherd that? It's, it's, I think that with meditation and contemplation and being honest with ourselves, we realize that unless we are uh, conscious of consciousness, we are overly identified with things and thoughts and activities which never satisfy. Never. No matter what we get a hold of, you know, the top-down Cadillac uh, uh, and the and the great gal or guy, uh, it, it really doesn't Do satisfy for very long. It, in fact, right. we we become honest. You know, you know, if we take ayahuasca, we we're like our conscience is magnified about a million times and we realize that we've been totally lying to ourselves that we're egocentrically idiotic and that we're completely miserable idiots <laughs> and so when you know the plants which have been evolving a lot longer than us uh, let's say they're in unity consciousness in order to survive and thrive in the exigencies of nature of downpours and whatever might be going on in nature uh they have to adapt we're we're in our little caddis shells in our little hovels going like oh you know huddling to try to survive uh because we're you know we're <laughs> we're trying to invent nature through us is attempting to invent some new way of being because everything at the level of form has to be incomparably unique every moment because form in order to be like formlessness has to through observational measurement and quantum mechanics has to uh, observe itself to be what it appears to be perceptually and through that measurement structure which is a spatial temporal energetic and material mind-body structure form the focus of the next observation which transforms that spatial temporal energetic and material mind body measurement into the next observation so there is the uh, evolution of observational consciousness as embodied by us by you and i and eight billion people in every bug and leaf and creature on this planet and we are the universe is expanding at an ever accelerating rate for that reason as well the whole cosmos is being reinvented and that's the, one of the most amazing things about existence is that that the whole universe can be incomparably unique continuously not just incrementally it's a continuous representation deconstruction and representation of itself taking place continuously it's not contiguous moments that one after the next after the next that can appear that way but it's actually that every dimensionless point in three dimensions is undivided they share a single 
polar point that we call the fourth dimension of space, which was suppressed when James Clay Maxwell in the quaternion theory, William Clifford, who died quite early, uh, showed this. Kaluza and Klein had a model that Einstein almost used. Uh, Louis, Louis de Broglie, who I'm not pronouncing his name properly, said that every particle shared a single uh, singularity <laughs> that is omnipresent. Okay. There, and uh, when this one talked with uh, Nassim Haramin on the phone for the first time, this was 10 years ago. Uh, Nassim, what about what uh, de Broglie said that, uh, there's a, that there's all particles share a one singularity said, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, uh, I'll have to look back into that. Yes, I agree that, that the whole universe shares a single singularity. And so that singularity though is not, is also at every single dimensionless point in the coordinate locations of 3D, which are how many dimensionless points can there be in 3D? Well, there's more dimensionless points in 3D than there are anything else in the universe. <laughs> There's, there's a plethora of dimensionless points that are all sharing a single polar point that make the whole universe an instantaneous, indivisible, whole, holographic recreation that is recreating itself through consciousness. This awakeness, that aspect of awareness that like a mirror in our bathroom has no image of its own, it is choiceless. And so we have no image of our own ultimately, and we can ex learn to accept that because we can understand it here cognitively, conceptually, we can understand how we are nobody going nowhere forever. And when we can finally understand it conceptually with this new child, like aspect that grew out of our reptile and out of our mammal to be able to focus awakeness more precisely than our these fields of emotions and fields of sensations could ever possibly do. And so the conceptual brain can be used, the left brain primarily, the left, right brain is largely mitigating the, the sensory and emotional nonverbal through the vagus nerve to interface with this new child of conceptualizing consciousness in some precise, very precise way to locate it. Like, where is this nothingness? Where is this observer that we all are? How can we all share a commonly sensed, holy, heartfelt, conscious intelligence forever and ever, amen, and have heaven on this planet and have a, an enlightened species-wide society? that it lives in joy and unconditional love every single instant. Yeah. so wonderful to feel how the dust settles from all that energetic energetic blah blah it just all the dust particles just fall to earth and to nothingness 
and we're at peace, P-E-A-C-E, all the pieces fall together and the puzzle, all the puzzled pieces that are puz so puzzling to us, they just effortlessly and automatically all fall together and represent the P-E-A-C-E -E that we all know and love so dearly and completely. Yeah. How could anything ever be just doing nothing and feeling absolute peace and wholeness? It's modeling how to do it right now. Wouldn't you say? This is the example that the uh, that science has been looking for the objective evidence that it's possible to sense, feel, and think about that which is thoughtless. That which is formless, that which is unmanifest. Um, Nikola Tesla said that uh, in one sentence that when science uh, begins to study the non-physical, non-material aspect of reality, that it will make more progress in, uh, in a year than it has in all the centuries of its past. Something like that, it's an exact quote. <laughs> so it's not about setting aside the blah, blah. It's, it's realizing that the blah, blah is, is not only blah, blahing, it's also utterly and completely silent and immeasurable and unknowable simultaneously. That's the uh, the alpha and the omega, the uh, the void and not avoiding itself. Yeah, it's the uh, musical notes and the space, and if the musical notes are about heaven on earth and peace and love and abundance and prosperity then they're harmonious it's one way of looking at it and if they're not then they sound like nails on a chalkboard so why not just be space be love, be empty, and just allow the most 
harmonious notes to just effortlessly and spontaneously without a doer, controller, just express themselves into generating even greater peace, love, harmony, abundance, prosperity. Yeah. And it's really cool, actually, Sperry. I like how much you've pieced together in the last couple of years the core of the spiritual wisdoms with the core of the scientific wisdoms and are speaking to the synthesis of them. And it does feel like that's very deeply at the core of uh, of also bringing uh, us all together is that because uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of reliance um, within the matrix on hey what are scientists saying about consciousness right now and that can be a really good gateway to get people to care a little bit more about meditation or about entheogens or about prayer and contemplation, self-inquiry, shadow work, all of that. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. You, gotta do it. you can't break free from the chainless chains unless you actually deconstruct all of the illusions that you're using to hold yourself in your sense of self. <laughs> so it's good spirit. I'm glad you're on that. And I am too. And uh, it feels like we're more mature. It feels like we're more uh, ripe and ready for collaborations and uh prosperity together and with our networks and projects which is really good so sperry's been on uh dehypnotizing de uh would you like to share <laughs> i mean you already have been but specifically the multimedia project and well it was really struck alan uh, thanks for asking uh that by there have been multiple, you know, career uh, hypnotists that have come to the groups and have said variations of, you know, Sperry, you're dehypnotizing people <laughs> by bringing them into unity, this indivisible unit communion. Uh, and that really struck me that, wow, uh, yeah, the, the challenge, which is an enormous challenge, is to dehypnotize humanity. How do you go about dehypnotizing 8 billion people who are at each other's throats, polarized against each other, and destroying the ecosystem of this planet? 
with the media being owned by the Havemeyer group and uh, you know and by the power elite who want to uh, eliminate the majority of us so that they can have their own Garden of Eden. And then they'll probably just, they don't know what else to do except kill each other. <laughs> so don't think that's going to work out too well. Uh, so, you know, they need to recognize uh, how to be free of that vice grip on controlling tyrannically everybody else around them is as their greater body heart and mind they have to like i have to lose weight so i have to get rid of uh you know 95 percent of humanity <laughs> you know so they're just going about it in their own kind of psychotic sociopathic way and if we can have some empathy for them and not make them the enemy and polarize against them they might actually feel that and not be so fearful of us as the majority, for example. What do you say about that, Alan? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what this isn't that what this is really is when you're watching content, aren't you kind of being hypnotized by the person that's speaking at varying levels of hypnosis let's say and if the hypnosis is around deconstructing illusion into greater freedom isn't that what you see yeah those the best uh i mean so much of the great work that's being done online uh by presenters is to expose the truth about you know all this craziness of the genocidal initiatives that have been in the pipeline for so many decades uh and they're doing a great job and that's a job that needs to be done yet the addressing as we are here uh our essential nature which is already liberated that cannot be destroyed and cannot be dominated because there's nothing to dominate. <laughs> that is something that also needs to be happening. And I, my sense is that, Alan, you and I are innately bound to collaborate in this way that nature created us, which it obviously must have. I mean, did we create ourselves? <laughs> Unless we are the void uh rege regenerating itself as at the level of form to expand the incomparable uniqueness of every moment because the void is incomparably unique every moment it forces form and space and time energy and matter to be incomparably unique every moment precisely because it serving as the observer that is reconnecting and re deconstructing and representing in this mirror of awakeness it is utterly and completely unique it's immeasurable and unknowable and boundless and timeless and that it's it's an eternal now and that everything that is created by this eternal now has to be incomparably unique as well there's no choice about it it's so it's choiceless 
And so if we choose to be choiceless deliberately, we are liberated into the joy of being consciousness itself together. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Have so much peace and space that what is is just a mirror for the sense of self in another to decontract its delusions into the expanse of being more like space and love and mirror. So be free of your own delusions and distortions so that your reflections can be very pure, pure reflections. Even just hugging when the mind of other is proliferating and just going and hugging and kissing and loving just that can be enough for the mind to see its illusions and to relax into greater space and love so many times words don't even are needed Yeah, I'm really happy. Oh, I think so too, Sperry. I feel so too. There is a lot of uh, synergy and play that's here that's uh, actualizing itself. And it's uh, mm. it's powerful. It's blossomed a lot. It's matured and ripened a lot. I keep feeling this with very spe 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 special uh, cases uh, of, of recontact. And uh, yeah. And it's funny because you also simultaneously don't want to contact. So it's like, yeah. But that's a whole nother thing. I'll make more content about that later. But what happens if you don't contact any sense data at all? What happens then? Left with. Well, I think what, what I sense you're pointing to is what happens in deep contemplative meditation is the, the silence and the stillness that is the only reality, ultimately. Everything else is temporal, never the same way twice. So there's a, that which is the only constant in the whole of consciousness becomes conscious of itself. And in that is the attractor. It's like a magnet. It attracts understandings and insights and inventions and creations that have never happened before that are solutions to the, the deepest of all problems and are the self-discovery of like, who the heck am I and who are we and where are we going and why are we going there? And <laughs> all of that is revealed effortlessly and spontaneously. Yes. You know, it, without even asking it to be revealed, it, it, we don't have to create our own reality. We are the most amazing 
uh, you know, by doing nothing and making no effort and being nobody, we are regenerating the phenomenology of, of our forms and minds and hearts and bodies and social matrices. And we're renewing ourselves completely. We're liberating ourselves, taking, you know, the weakest link in the chain it determines how strong the chain is. And the weakest link is the fact that there is no chain. <laughs> Sperry, can you give us a existing list of the uh, most uh, the projects that you're giving your most amount of time to and then listing down from the top of the ones that are most uh, especially for people to hear about and potentially get involved in and then we can put the links in the bio also mm. in the description mm. well you know it took from my near-death experience at age four, where I existed without a body, heart, or mind, without any boundary, and there was no me. There was just this emptiness, which was aware of itself as this awakeness that is choiceless and formless. That was quite an education. <laughs> experiential education so when the, one came back into this one's four-year-old little boy body asked because this one was playing Zorro uh, when this tree limb fell on him <laughs> attempted to ask like coming off of DMT uh, when you try to ask a question and the answer comes to you before you finish asking the question was exactly like that and the answer came back and was shown kinesthetically that everything fluctuates in and out of form and i this one saw fields the whole of nature fluctuating in and out of formlessness and being renewed and recreated continuously and so the, this the first thought that this one had as a four-year-old little boy was well, why would Zorro need to know this? Because Zorro was trying to learn how to save the day because of the double suicides of my grandmother and grandfather when I was two and four. Uh, my mother's father and mother. And I felt her grief, but she wouldn't share it with me. And I was like, I feel her grief, but why won't she share it with me? I need to be Zorro to save the day. So here, this brought about this playing on this the, this branch of a of a tree that had died this one at four knew nothing about branches breaking and Zorro ended up under the without going into the whole thing I mean this one has spent a lifetime figuring out okay obviously this is uh, a way of making sense of the whole shebanginess of life and that more people are having near-death experiences as of maybe 20 years ago there were 10 
million people just in the United States alone that it had reported having near-death experiences. Imagine what that actually is on a worldwide level, that nature as us is educating us through showing us that we're nobody going nowhere forever. <laughs> and how magnificently beautiful that is. It's so yeah. joyful. And when Eckhart Tolle says, you know, make friends with the now, uh, and he writes the book Stillness Speaks, you know, and, and everything is, is, is culminating towards us being able to share a commonly sensed, holy, heartfelt, conscious intelligence as an indivisible being. And these ATs are making contact to us uh, in the, uh, like Emery Smith, who was working in these, uh, you know, military corporate places east of Albuquerque, and he earned their respect. And they said, "Okay, we're going to introduce you to your 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 first ET, Emery. Uh, tomorrow you'll meet him, and uh, he's an extra interdimensional ET. He'll appear in front of you." <laughs> and so Emery figured out the 150 questions to ask this ET because he was like a you know, young guy is being educated to be a doctor to do all these operations and tissue samples and stuff of ETs and so here's going to meet this ET and ET appears and answers his 150 questions in under a second telesomatically because when you share you know a somatic empathetic conceptualizing consciousness in an integrated way as two people you can't lie you're sharing what there is that can be known and felt and sensed and yeah. and, and noticed with another person even though you're an et from another race and the et said to him emory look we you know we've been tinkering with you for hundreds of thousands of years i mean there's a quite a few different intergalactic civilizations that have been messing around with you but you're like our children we've been cultivating you to be better than we've ever been just like your children you want to be to go beyond what you've ever how you ever been and uh and so you're our heroes uh emory <laughs> and but even though you know we sense that we're millions of years in advance of you uh we're all equals it's only because the billions of, 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 of people in my civilization, because we all share an indivisible consciousness, consciously in a fully embodied way together, that our neuro, neurophysiological psychology is, is, is millions of years in advance of yours, but that doesn't make us better than you. And so Emery's like, he's melting and melting and melting in the love of this extraterrestrial he can barely stay standing he he feel he can see himself falling to his knees and being completely and utterly dis yeah. by being love itself with this, with yeah. this beautiful person this entity in front of him for heaven's sakes that is inside yeah. of him inside of him with every intimacy that mm -hmm. the, the, you know the subatomic level you know what I'm saying? So it's knowing this experience is the teacher. Shared experience is the teacher. And so over the last 45 years, I finally realized 45 years ago, there must be a way that I'm being shown 
to bring people to this shared experience, yeah. this shared yeah. intimacy of being yeah. indivisible, awake, aware, sentience, and that yeah. you know this that the whole cosmos is on its way in a path of evolution from nothingness to being fully sentient as spatial, temporal, energetic, material, mind embodied beings. And here we are. Uh, and so I put together ultimately all my 45 years of, of clinical, empirical research that was replicated by multiple laboratories around the world that I wanted to, I set out back in 1988 with Dr. William Broad, who was the senior research associate at the Mind Science Foundation to see uh, with, I mean, he was award-winning psychophysiologist. I mean, he's one of the most astounding researchers that was heralded and award-winning and and people would, you know, dear of, of friends were people like Russell Targ and, and, and Harold Putoff and Ed May, who were given the millions of dollars by the United States federal government to compete with the Russian research into parapsychological remote viewing and uh, and being able to know the future before it happened uh, under empirical conditions uh, with double blind studies. So uh, Dr. William Broad became my closest friend when I first met him physically and sat in front of him when I traveled there uh, across the United States to be in San Antonio, Texas at the Mind Science Foundation. I was finally there sitting in front of Dr. William Broad he was so peaceful, I couldn't stop crying. I just was like weeping for joy. It was like, oh God, this man is amazing. And for five years, we worked together. He said, Sperry, you're like another Krishnamurti. <laughs> you know, you, what you're doing, I, you know, I'll put you in touch with all the top researchers in the field of consciousness. Uh, and this project that you want to do which replicates what you and I have done together uh, with these cohorts of, you know, 30 people that you, one of which you trained to share a commonly sensed consciousness to be tested after the first group that was not, didn't go through your training. And they reversed from being made nervous when noticed, when they had no known way of knowing when they were being noticed over closed circuit camera monitor system while their bodies were being measured with galvanic skin response, uh, <clears throat> which William Broad was a master of. It was like an extension of his body. He was able to find how people were reacting to the most subtle uh, you know, cues and, and, and <laughs> differentiations that were occurring in their environment with other people. And so it was found that those people who were wanted to be with other people, but they were made nervous by being with other people, that when they were stared at over closed circuit camera monitor systems, where they could have no other known way of knowing when or if they were being stared at, those were the people that were most activated. <laughs> and we had all this clinical evidence to show that attention can be used as the stimulus just like touching your nose is a stimulus. And you know, I know that my finger is touching my nose, that my paying attention to you 
when you have no known way of knowing when or if that's happening, when we're separated under the shielded electromagnetic shielding conditions, that when I pay attention to you in an undivided way, you feel it, even if you don't consciously know it, because you're, you're, <clears throat> you're, uh, your nervous system responds to my attention, just like a reptile walking into the into a new glade out of its home in the silence and stillness of, of its presence. No can sense whether there are other predators ready to pounce on it from behind some bush. We had to grow and develop that capacity in order to survive, okay? Even Sigmund Freud, as conservative as he is, he said that telepathy, somatic telepathy was innate to us as animals, that that's the only way we could actually survive. And that, that was suppressed as we entered into verbal analytic conversations and gave most of our undivided attention to who we think we are and what we think we're doing at a verbal analytic level. And the sensory, the silence, the field of sensory intelligence and the field of emotional intelligence, which makes up 97% of our moment-to-moment -moment consciousness, 77% of our embodied intelligence is being suppressed by this child that's saying to the heart, which is like its mommy and the body, the reptile, which is like its daddy, which is like conditional love, and the heart is like the unconditional love of the mother <laughs> saying, mommy, daddy, what's this? What's that? Give me a label for what I'm conceptually experiencing non-verbally with, with you both. And so we have this growth incrementally over hundreds of millions of years uh, emergent. And here we are right now in this eternal now discovering what has been recreated out of absolutely nothing whatsoever to be us and beholden to serve the greater good of all life everywhere in the cosmos by being peaceful and all loving in the and recognize and respect this communion of indivisibility of being. And so the, the $27 million multimedia partnership proposal offers offer to all of you who are hearing this right now please let us join together in collaboration to serve our greater purpose of bringing about an enlightened civilization on this planet whatever it is that we each uniquely are capable of doing to contribute to the to our awakening let's do it from this moment onward and so all the physics that have been brought together, all the physicists and biologists and neuroscientists and sociologists and psychologists that I brought together over the last 45 years, all the tens of thousands of people that have come to these groups, let us all come together now and step into this you know, heavenly place, this eternal now where we cannot die we are as they say you know in the ancient hindu and buddhic and contemplative traditions that when we recognize in life 
who and what we truly are, that when we physically die, we don't die. We realize that we are deathless. And the afterlife has been studied by a friend of mine here who was introduced to me by my physics partner, who's spent 50 years studying the afterlife, written 22 books. And these people like William James, who was one of the top people 100 years ago, has communicated through Jane, um, what's his name, who wrote Seth Speaks, Jane Roberts. Uh, William James contacted, after he was dead, contacted Jane Roberts and said, I want to publish a book. I want to channel a book through you. And she she recognized it and honored it and did that. And some of the most magnificent understanding of the afterlife of what it is to, to be 10,000 times as joyful, to be 10,000 times as agonized about how unconscious and insensitive we were on the earth plane, how that unfolds and how we take responsibility as that which cannot suffer for how crazy we've been here. And so we continue to learn and unlearn and, and <laughs> are born again every instant passing. And we're all doing this. It's so fantastic. It's like a rave where we're all on, uh, you know, MDMA. When I met Shasha Shulgin for the first time, the fellow who put together MDMA with his wife, and I was introduced to by one of my dearest friends, and I stepped into his aura. He's a big guy. It was like stepping into the cosmos. I literally saw stars and planets in vast, empty space, and I felt utter and complete peace in his presence that I shared as one single no nobody with him, and it was pure love. Sasha Shulgin was an amazing man who, you know, created MDMA so that we could all learn and use it as a stepping stone into our immortal nature. So this $27 million multimedia partnership proposal that involves feature and documentary films, which bring audiences through by breaking the fourth wall, bring them into a commonly sensed, holy, heartfelt, conscious intelligence with the people on screen who are already anchored in this indivisibility. And we end up in, a, let's say in one example, a stadium of 60,000 people, a giant stadium. And there are multiple cameras recording this that are put together to make the film uh, the 90 to 120 minute film and various clips of that, where people in the audience are brought into unity consciousness by the people in the new thought movement and the consciousness movement in a circle. People like Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and, and Marion Williamson and so forth at center stage who are sharing what they're sensing and feeling together in an undivided way as, as a greater body, heart and mind with 60,000 other people and those people at home who are watching, maybe just as indivisible individuals. And we see them on the film too, because we're, we're recording those people. And some groups are, are being actually psychophysiologically for their autonomic and central nervous systems, 
being recorded simultaneously. We see them in the film. And so like the Beatles created the first simulcast when they sang, uh, all there is is love or you know, love is all there is. Uh, that was the first simulcast on the planet Earth. We have the first simulcast of this film uh, sharing indivisibility of our commonly sensed consciousness as a species on this planet to make it experientially plausible that we can be safe and secure by embracing our, our infinite, immeasurable depth and beauty as consciousness, as joy, as Eckhart Tolle would say, we are the, you know, the joy of being is the joy of being consciousness together. So that's the, basically the aegis of the project is to use social media to make it available around the clock in multiple languages for free as a free membership at any time of the day or night, just click a button and you can be there with total strangers or groups that you create for free and enter into this commonly sensed, common sense. It's a common, it's like we, all leaders in the whole of history have said, please people use your common sense. And, and what is common sense telling us right now? It tells us that we're already free and we just need to, to notice it and feel it and share it indivisibly forever and ever, amen, as love itself, Mwah. as Christ consciousness, as the Atman, as the Anatta, as the no self, as the one self, as, as all selves, uh, knowing what we are forever and ever and ever have been and ever will be and ever present spirited, you know, all the indigenous cultures who say the great spirit is everything, it is everyone, it is all that ever has been and ever will be and is now. And so all the indigenous cultures are included here uh, indivisibly, and we are all awakening to our combined wisdom. And the wisdom comes through our sh the wisdom of humanity. As Bruce Lipton said years ago with being interviewed by Alan, um, uh, <laughs> his last name will come to me in a moment, uh, Steinfeld, Bruce said, you know, we, you know, nature has created us to be like, you know, out of zygotes to be multiple zygotes functioning as a single consciousnesses. And when all human beings realize that they're just cells like zygotes are cells in us we are cells in the body of humanity when humanity can speak as one humanity as one sentient consciousness with other sentient consciousnesses from other uh, intergalactic civilizations then we will be allowed into uh, and become part of this commonly sensed consciousness inter uh you know, within this solar system and with within this galaxy, with hundreds and thousands of other extraterrestrial or interterrestrial civilizations, and we will join this cosmic sentient recreation and uh, the one as um, uh, <laughs> his name is going to escape me. He says, you know, there's as with the ETs. Uh, 
uh, you know, that we are, there's only one people here in this universe. Uh, you know, there's only one of us. How many us's can there be? You know, there's only one life, one nature, one cosmos, one unified verse, and we are it together. So all of this cognition, all these labels, all these sticky notes, we don't need to make our mirrors opaque with things and thoughts and activities that, that occlude the ability to receive and reflect. Yeah. Here we are on this two-dimensional screen on Zoom. It's... You know, the most advanced physicists uh, like Sussman, Suskind at Stanford, you know, creating the holographic model that the whole three-dimensional reality can be represented in two-dimensional service. Here we are represented on a two-dimensional surface on Zoom. <laughs> we, we are a three-dimensional hologram being represented on a two-dimensional surface, which is a mirror-like meeting place which is essentially a dimensionless meeting place made out of dimensionless points that are, you know, when you take two points, you have a line. Before that, you just have a point. You have two points, make a line. Three points make a plane, a two-dimensional surface. Wait a minute. Forget it. Where is this? So there's just one over here. Okay. You get four points and you turn them so they're orthogonal or perpendicular to each other, you now have the first three-dimensional volume. You have a tetrahedron, which is the strongest structure in nature. And we see in the actual uh, you know, quantum mechanics of probability fields and in the biology of particles, uh, or, or the quantum mechanics of particles and the biology of cells and so forth, there is this, re this resonant structure that is ubiquitous that is fundamental to form. And we can begin to recognize all these things. And so the conceptual mind becomes satisfied. We have to satisfy the conceptual mind. Yeah. So that it can work with the, the, the field of, indivisible field of, of sensations and the indivisible field of emotions. This, so there is this bicameral, left and right brain, the right brain representing the part in the body through the vagus nerve connected throughout the body. And it's it's trying to come into this relationship with this conceptualized new feature, this child, which is reaching for some way of creating a conceptual version of what is non-verbally felt and sensed. And that's all we have to just contribute to that in whatever way we can every moment consciously. Yeah, and we will know who and what our know our purpose, and serve it uh, joyfully together. And so that's the mission and ethos of both the Connection Institute, but also the twenty-seven million dollar multimedia partnership proposal. Yes, excellent. And so the best way for people to engage with that is, like you said, just be right here engaged with your own direct experience of awakening but also is to uh, check out the i have it pulled up and i'll have it in the in the description below so is it uh both connectioninstitute.org but also for the uh proposal it's 
the dehypnotizing humanity proposal that is up there, right? That's right. I, I have all those in a, dis, a description of other that I can just pay, paste into the description of this video. Awesome. Okay. Nice. Nice. And by the way, I was mentioning this to Sperry also that the fourth wall is a very beautiful, even right now, that's what we're doing. This is it. Like this right here. This is talking to the audience. Right? And so if the people that are talking to each other like this are anchored in love and space, and then something happens there that's beautiful, noteworthy, and the cast turns to the audience and engages them. How do you guys feel right now after that beautiful shift? You know, that kind of stuff. Like after that decontraction, how does that make you feel? And so now we're really in the territory of advanced media. I think breaking the fourth wall is one of the most beautiful ways to bring forth advanced media and waking up through content creation. Super exciting stuff, Sperry. All about it. It's so exciting that this has been trying to break through that, as I said, that, you know, Louis de Broglie and uh, Kaluza and Klein and James Clerk Maxwell and um, all pointed to this fourth dimension of space, not time, that instantaneously united all points in 3D. But in the Solvay conference, uh, the conservative element said, no, we can't measure it, measure it, and lo and behold, it's because it's immeasurable. There's nothing to measure. <laughs> and so the conservative element said, well, we can't measure it, so it can't be considered physics. And they threw it out. And if they had accepted it, Einstein would have made the fourth dimension of uh, time, the fourth dimension of space-time, because time is the observer of space. Time is timelessness, making the whole of space in, instantaneously indivisible. It's the observer. It's the unborn, uncreated, deathless awakeness that is choiceless and formless, that is causing form to reform and become more and more like formlessness so that Slowly but surely, our forms, our bodies, hearts, and minds are becoming as flawlessly in, uh, indivisible from what all that we are at the level of form as formlessness is indivisible from formlessness. So we are becoming more like the void at the level of form, which is really enlightened consciousness. That's when form and formlessness, where here they are, Here's formlessness, here's form. And they cannot exist without each other. Without formlessness, <clears throat> form would not have independent, interconnected attributes that can move independently of each other. It all depends on the form utilizing this indivisibility of formlessness. And so like, uh, because they are one without a second, in the phase transition between formlessness and form, and I explained this, of course, when we were speaking and meeting back in uh, in November of 2019, 
that in the phase transition, like between water and ice or water and gas, the phase transition between these absolute opposites, I mean, nothing could be more opposite than formlessness and form, but in the phase transition that unites the two, what is that? That is consciousness. That is this, but not that. That's like, you know, neti, neti, not this, not that. It is this, but not that. It is it is this, but, but not that. That is what is the anatta and the atman simultaneously. It's you and me. You're the, there's you and there's me. It's not that I, you know, occlude or, you know, overarchingly take precedence over you. That's like a very mechanistic, materialistic, sociopathic model of like who's going to eat who here <laughs> who's going to you know who's going to do the eating and uh, who's going to do the loving let's say you know who's going to be the lover are you going to be the woman or am i going to be the woman are you going to be the man am i going to be the man you know are, it's all this polarization to just forget you know let that all be what it is because between the gender war between men and women when they can be share a commonly sensed, holy, heartfelt, fully embodied, awake, aware consciousness that is conscious of itself, then they can have unconditional eternal love and have marriages that last and have children that are brought up in the indivisible, unconditional love of their parents. So children from the, when they're first born and they come in like, la, 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 they're not afraid of anything. They, nature creates us when we're newborns to be lit up and turned on, we're lit up. We're so excited to be what we are, and we're not afraid of not knowing who we are. We're completely ignorant and, and innocent, utterly and completely. You know, when I had my son, I could hold him in my on my arm with his head in my palm of my hand and roar him, roar him around in the air uh, recklessly, uh, you know, but securely. He had no fear at all. He had no concept of fear. So we can bring up children on this planet with, through our communion with them as consciousness itself with no fear. So we're not traumatized by being objectified as good little girl, good little boy. This is your mommy. That's your daddy. This is this. Your, that's your that. This is your sister's toy. Give it back to your sister. Eat your oatmeal or I'll slap you or I'll make you wrong or make you feel that you as a separate object is my little boy or whatever, you know, is not behaving the way I want you to. And that kind of blame and that kind of shame and that kind of tyrannical control over us as if we're a separate, separate subject upon on the chessboard of life is absolutely traumatizing from the get-go. And when we can grow up on this planet without being treated as objects, and that we're not taught to treat our mothers and fathers and our caregivers as objects, we can feel this objectless heaven, heavenly unity and indivisibility of our being with everyone and everything continuously. And we can have a healthy civilization that can abide in joy forever after. I love it, Sperry. Yeet.
So let's, I feel good about this convo. I feel like we can pause the recording and we can publish this and we can share it and uh, galvanize greater movement for uh, being present to one's own awakening right now and also contributing uh, to the Connection Institute in any way by seeing the resources and checking out the multimedia project proposal. And uh, I would like to hear, like, I'll put the link to the first uh, conversation also in the description. And uh, if you guys want to go and check that out too, the one that we did three years ago, that's really cool. Um, and uh, let us know also what you think about this one. We'd love to hear from you. Um, comment below, share it with those that you feel like you'd resonate with, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Any, uh, any closing um, thoughts before we pause the recording, Sperry? Uh, I was just listening to our recording from three years ago last night. And uh, I wanted to suggest as I have to some from about, a, about a minute and a half to 32 minutes is the core of the physics being shared and felt and embodied by both of us. So that's, if you just listen that long, it's a long, long recording. We kind of get into all kinds of stuff later on that I, I, I kind of gets confabulated and jumbled a bit <laughs> because we're touching on all these things. And But that first 32 minutes is really, uh, well worth reviewing. Nice. Perfect. All right. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, just infinite love and light. Peace. Yeah. Prosperity. Yeah. Big hug and uh, bye for now. <laughs>